0: that you and I uh, understand what the Bible means when it talks about the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's really two different things. And sadly, I think... A lot of folks, good folks, well-meaning folks, are, are misinformed as to the difference between the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm, I'm very sad that our whole church family isn't here tonight because they, they need to know this. This is important. Now, you're setting a good example by being here tonight, and the Lord's going to reward you for taking the time to come on a cold February night by sending you home with an increased knowledge of this very important topic. We're going to start with a quote from D.L. Moody. I love this quote as it relates to the Holy Spirit. He says the following, You might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. That's a great quote. The Holy Spirit is important. I mean, it was, we're going to see it in just a second when we review where we were three weeks ago is when we last uh, met on a Wednesday night. And we're going to review. But, but it, it was Jesus Christ himself that says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And I mean, the uniqueness of that is it indwells us at the time that we're saved. And some people might say, well, I just don't have a sense of it. I, I, it might be that you can't see the forest for the trees. You know the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, but I, I emphasize this the first time we met talking about the Holy Spirit, and I think it bears uh, emphasizing again. I mean, what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I, I, I believe the Bible, I know what it says, but... You know, it's, it's not something spooky, it's not something weird, we, we, we don't even expect that. But what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit? And let me just remind you, as I did before, I think the fact that you're here is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fact that hopefully most all of you at least try to read your Bibles daily, I think that's an evidence of the, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, When you're prompted to invite somebody to church or hand somebody a track or to witness to somebody, I think that's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in, in your life. Whenever you say something or maybe even do something wrong and you feel bad about it, you feel guilty about it, I think that's evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And because he is so much at work in your life, it might be that you've grown used to it and you don't even realize that really that's what it is. I mean, compared to before you were saved. You know, before you were saved, you wouldn't have been in church on a Wednesday night. Well, you got saved, but you're, here it is years later and you're in church on a Wednesday night. You know, it, it, it obviously just wasn't that salvation experience. No. That's important, but then Christ takes, or the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, and here you are years later in church. Here you are perhaps years later, and you're, you, you really try hard to read your Bible every day, do your, do your devotions, or witness to people. I think all of that is evidence of the Holy Spirit, because people that don't have the Holy Spirit, they're not doing those things. They're not in church, they're not witnessing, they're not, what's the difference between you and them? You know, what's the difference? Uh, To a great extent, I think it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So uh, maybe we're trying too hard, or maybe we can't see the forest for the trees. I think it should be very evident to us, and should be very encouraging to us, that when we are doing what the Lord wants us to do, it is the Holy Spirit. We we may talk about this next week, uh, about what the Holy Spirit is actually doing in us. Well, let's go back three weeks ago when we last met on Wednesday night, we looked in John chapter 14 and we saw the the Lord talking about the Holy Spirit there. This is the night before his crucifixion. And the tension in the room, in the upper room, or or in the room there, it's so thick you can cut it with a knife. And the Lord's trying to reassure them. And he tells these men this, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter. Okay, he's leaving. He has been their comforter. He's going to give them another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. You know, the world, they're not in church tonight. They're not going to be in church Sunday. They don't care anything about it. They haven't received the word of truth. They haven't received the spirit of truth, I should say. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then our loving Savior says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And we have, 2,000 years later, experienced what he was talking about with the comforter. So when we left off, in John chapter 14, verse number 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, the Holy Spirit. So now, let's skip ahead to tonight's lesson. Back then, from the time he said that, it's about a week later. Okay? Christ has, has, has gone to the cross, and, and, and he told them, he says, I'm going to send you another comforter, and about a week later, it happens. And it's described to us in Acts, Acts chapter 2. The promise is now fulfilled. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, let me remind you that in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit was in existence then. The Holy Spirit is eternal. God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all eternal. Uh, but he just worked differently back then. He would come. He would, he would involve himself in the lives of people and what have you. But he was not a permanent resident in the life of all believers. So this is, this is a change now from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. It's a wonderful thing when people are in unity. Had they been fighting? Had they been petty? uh, I think you could make the case that he wouldn't have come. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, just as you are filled with the Holy Ghost today. And in this case, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're focusing here simply on the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to focus on tongues. I'm not afraid of the topic. We just don't have, we may cover it later on in this study, but that's just not our focus. And I, whatever we're focusing on tonight is the fact that at this occasion, just as the Lord had promised, now they are filled. And you have to understand, too, just this side note, uh, the book of Acts is a unique book. Uh, the, the book of Acts is of the apostles. And, 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 and Luke here is recording a series of events. And many of them miraculous, obviously miraculous, and beyond the ability of any human to accomplish. And this was simply proving to them that you know, the, these miracles that they experienced in Acts were unique to that time, is what I'm going to say. And and doesn't say that they are to be repeated, like the speaking in tongues, or that they should be repeated later on. Again, Acts is the door. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it, it is unique. And what we see happening here is unique. But let's go back. We know what it says. Now, what does it mean? In verse number one, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost was a, was a holiday. It was a Jewish feast held every 50 days after Passover. And it was a time to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. It was at that time, during this festival, that the Holy Spirit comes to this group of people. And they were all with one accord. They were gathered together. They're sharing the same heart, the same love of God, and the same trust in His promise. They were expecting. They didn't necessarily know what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, or, 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 or how it was going to happen. But at this particular time, they experienced something that was unique to them. And they were a special group of people. Because the Lord said, I'm going to send a comforter. And that was a blanket statement to all believers. And here it happens, the day of Pentecost. Verse number 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, if you read that verse carefully, for whatever it's worth, you read that verse carefully, and it doesn't say that there was a wind. It doesn't say that they were blown about, and hats were flying, and people were hanging on the chairs, and chairs were flying across the room. It simply says there was a sound. There was the sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. Uh, And and if you look at the quote behind me, it, it may be remarked, however, that the wind in the sacred scriptures is often put as an emblem of divine influence. See, it is invisible yet mighty and thus represents the agency of the Holy Spirit. I mean, how amazing would it be if right now in this room that was replicated and we just hear this wind. I mean, and apparently nothing gets blown over and there's no actual wind. But we hear this deafening sound. I mean, it's just, it's just Christ fulfilling what he told them. I am going to send you a comforter. And how amazing, how awesome, perhaps scary that was when this happened that time. And they're in that room and the house is filled with this sound. But not only was there sound, but there was sight. Verse number 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. It sat upon each of them. And you perhaps have seen artists try to replicate what they think it may have looked like. And we would have to understand that's just an artist's best guess. You know, what would it have actually looked like? You know, uh, appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat on each of them. Not sure exactly what that means, but again, it's just the Lord impressing upon them that something special is happening. Something big is happening here. Something unique is happening here. There's a massive change about to take place. We have transitioned from the Old Testament, because now Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament. He has successfully, completely fulfilled what what the uh, Old Testament had prophesied. And now he has been, he's up at the right hand of the Father. Things are different now. And now you're going to need a new comforter. You have the Holy Ghost. And so you have this sound. And then you have this fire. And then in verse number four, it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were now completely absorbed, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was dominating them. It was controlling them. It was in charge. I mean, this this is something to rejoice in. This is something for us to be thankful for, and excited about 2,000 years later. What, what, a, what an outstanding, what, a, what an amazing event it must have been for those people that were actually there to hear what I would have supposed would have been, in my mind, would have been like a deafening sound, the wind. Maybe, maybe some folks were putting their hands over their ears, and yet nothing's moving. And then to look around and you see, however it might have been, You know, cloven tongues of fire. You know, artists usually show that as being over each person's head. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine the awe that these people experienced that evening? So here we read about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet, in other portions of Scripture the Bible talks about not just the filling of the Holy Spirit, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand, if we want to grow in our Bible knowledge and to be more mature Christians, we need to understand the filling of the Holy Spirit is not to be confused with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience. Yeah, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience that occurs at salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized. Okay? Not filled. It doesn't say filled here. It says baptized. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. When a person gets saved, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, or I should say, as it's describing here, they are baptized into one body. When the Holy Spirit comes, when it comes initially here at salvation for each of us, that is described in the Scripture as being baptized. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit... It's a one-time experience that occurs at salvation. The filling of the Holy Spirit is, means to be yielded to the control of the Holy Oh I can't speak. The filling of the Holy Spirit is to be yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit. And that can occur many times on numerous occasions. Baptism. It happens when you get saved. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit in, in, into salvation. The filling of the Holy Spirit is something that can happen on multiple times. And there's times when you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filling means it controls you. And then there's other times you might grieve the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't, it doesn't control you. So being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a one-time event that occurs at salvation... Being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that can happen on numerous occasions. Ephesians five eighteen, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Be ye filled, and the implication is you might not be, you know. So in which case you you need to be filled. So again, the implication is sometimes you're not, but you should strive to always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look first of all, real quick, at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism again with the Spirit is a one-time occurrence carried out by Christ and is not repeated nor commanded. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit moves into you at salvation. Where do you get that from? Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know that you are Christ because you have the Spirit. You have the Spirit when you're saved. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and to your life at salvation. Secondly, we need to understand that when the Holy Spirit moves in, he stays in when he moves in, he stays in he is always there. you may be grieving him, he may not be filling you, but once you have the Holy Spirit, you know the Lord told them when the comforter comes he 's going to be with you, and he 's going to be with you always John fourteen sixteen and I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. when the Holy Spirit moves in. He stays in. If you are truly saved, once you've got the Holy Spirit, you keep the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to number three. One of the reasons the Holy Spirit moves in, and and I could say, and stays in, is to secure your salvation forever. Ephesians 4.30 And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. One of the reasons the Holy Spirit moves in is to secure your salvation forever. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He moves in. He baptizes you. The Holy Spirit baptizes you when you get saved. He moves in. He stays in. And one of the reasons He's there, and I'm just mentioning one tonight, this one, is He seals you to the day of redemption which would also indicate that you cannot lose your salvation. Once you are saved, you are always saved. And one of the reasons we can say that with confidence is that the Holy Spirit moves in. He does not leave you, and he is there. And one of the reasons he's there and one of the reasons he stays there is that he seals you until the day of redemption, until you are with the Lord. So that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time occurrence that indicates that the Holy Spirit comes into you when you get saved. But what about the filling of the Holy Spirit? The filling of the Holy Spirit is something different. It involves the Holy Spirit, but it's really talking about whether the Holy Spirit has control of you or whether you have him pushed back into a corner. Three things about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Why do, what, what do we need that filling for? What are we missing out when we're not filled? Why should you be concerned? You got the Holy Spirit, He sealed you once he's in you, he ain't leaving you. So does it really matter that I'm filled or not? Well, let's look at that. Number one, the filling of the Holy Spirit empowers us for witnessing Acts one: eight, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and what? For what? Then or and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we see here that we want to be filled with the Spirit. We don't want to repress the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want Him to have control of us. We want Him to dominate us. And one of the primary reasons is so that we can be a witness to people. God has chosen you and me to be witnesses. And I tell you what, I've, I've talked to the Bob's adult Sunday school class uh, the last two Sundays about my concern about our country. And, and, and the answer to the problems of our country is revival. And revival means that people are getting, Christians are getting right with God, and Christians are witnessing and seeing other people saved. We don't need to be depressed about what we see going on around us. Now, we might be concerned, and I think we have reason to be concerned, but we don't need to be depressed. We don't need to retreat. We need to be filled with the Spirit. You know, we are God's soldiers, and, and we are either in retreat, we're either on the defensive or we're on the offensive. And I think the, the concern that we have for what's going on around us, when, when people are cheering, Late-term abortions, I mean, if that doesn't tell you we've taken a turn for the worse, I don't know what does. I mean, the thought that people would cheer, the, the the fact that they would light up, I don't know if it was the Empire State Building or whatever it was, in pink in New York City, celebrating. Celebrating late-term abortions. I mean, these are babies. Now, maybe I mentioned this Sunday, too. I don't, I don't remember, but, you know, people talk about... This kind of stuff, and my argument is, you know, if if life doesn't start at conception, when does it start? Because to me, that's kind of a no brainer. Yeah, it's got to start somewhere, and I think biology will tell you that's where it starts, right? I mean, that's that's where it starts, right there. So, and then these late term abortions—it's something insidious about it. So, we need. To be witnesses. We, and, and look, every church has its own battlefield. And oh, we're concerned about what's going on in California. I got a son that pastors in Texas. But, uh, Jeremy happens to be he and his wife. Uh, someone was blessed. I mean, someone blessed them uh, with a trip to the, the Holy Land. Uh, they're they're in, in the Holy Land tonight. But, you know, Jeremy's, Jeremy's got Dalhart covered. That's his Jerusalem, Judea, the other most parts of the world. Matt, he's in, he's in Lodi. He's outside of, of, of Madison. And there's other preachers there. and There's other preachers there in, um, in Dalhart and, and all around the country. And we may think, you know, th- this is too big for us. We're too far gone. No, the, the Lord knows we're responsible for this area and, and the world as far as missions goes. But this area in particular, th- this is our area. This is where he has us. And it's important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons that's important is so that we'll have a bold witness. Number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit enables you for service. Wherefore, brethren, back in the book of Acts... Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. You know, there was some murmuring among the people. There was some complaining going on, and some widows weren't, weren't being treated properly. And so they say, hey, we're going to pick out some guys that are going to take care of this. And most preachers uh, tend to believe that this is, these are the first deacons right here. And, and, and in order for them to serve as they should, one of the things it said it says, look for men that are full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. And that will enable them to serve with wisdom. To serve with uh, credibility and to do it right and for the right motive. So if we're going to be bold witnesses for the Lord, we have to, to the best of our ability, work to make sure that we're filled with the Spirit one of the reasons more people may not be witnessing, one of the reasons you or I may not witness, to be honest, may be that we're just not filled with the Spirit. We know we ought to, well, why aren't we? Well, then we need to work at being filled with the Spirit. And, and to serve, if we're going to serve effectively, according to this, one of the keys is to be filled with the Spirit. And then number three, the filling of the Holy Spirit gives you boldness. In Acts chapter 4, shortly after they're filled, Peter, you know, they've been hiding. Peter had quit. Remember, he had quit on the Lord. But now, then Peter, boy, this is a change, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And then he goes on to preach to them. And how is he able to preach to them with such boldness and confidence when just days before they're hiding and they're cowering? says that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be conscious of the Holy Ghost in our lives. I'm going to assume, hopefully, that everybody in this room is saved. So we've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's come in us, he's baptized us. But is he in control? That's really what being filled means, that, that he is in control. He is dominating. He is calling the shots. You're not pushing him into some back corner. And if we want to be effective to see revival in this land, in our community, where this church is a bright lighthouse in this area, then we're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. We'll conclude with this, these quotes. The baptism of the Spirit means that I belong to his body. And the fullness of the Spirit means that my body belongs to Him. The baptism is final. The fullness is repeated as we trust God for new power to witness. The baptism involves all other believers, for it makes us one body, one in the body of Christ. While the fullness is personal and individual. These are two distinct experiences, and they must not be confused. I love that first quote. The baptism of the Spirit means that I belong to his body, that I'm saved, that I'm part of his people. That's what baptism means. The fullness of the Spirit means that my body belongs to him. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.